0: welcome 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 this is the distraction pieces podcast episode 538 thank you for tuning in everyone big love to everyone who tuned in for my big halloween stream on twitch the other week the reaction has been absolutely overwhelming if you wanted to go back and watch that it's 90 minutes long i'm not going to say too much about it but yeah 90 minutes long. It's over on twitch.tv forward slash Pipio. Um, it's the big Halloween stream. But this week's episode is one that I've been incredibly excited to get into your ears. I'm chatting this week with Abe Brenock, a fantastic f- filmmaker uh, who's got a documentary on iPlayer called Scars, Surviving a Stabbing. And I really think it's amazing. It It's really powerful and honest and open. So I highly recommend that um, on iPlayer anyway. But I think you're going to really enjoy this chat with A because the thing that A does with the documentary is kind of tells their story through the story of, of others a lot of the time. Like has got their platform and given it to others, but not purely in a, you know, just handing it away way in a to tell the, their own story to. It's hard to explain, but yeah, I really enjoyed this chat and I think you're going to enjoy it too. I get people reaching out a lot about doing podcasts about bad things that are going on in the world at the moment. And it's often tough to do on this podcast because we tend to have to record a month or so in advance. So there's certain things that are so constantly moving and horrific that the right platform to discuss them and address them is is social media or or those more immediate routes, I guess. And as I've said a few times, I happen to not really use social media anymore but um equally i think we we'll, we have a lot of <laughs> a lot of important things i think the habit that we've got into of checking in to see what the rock thinks about i love the rock but checking in to think about what the rock thinks about this conflict or other celebrities on social media is is uh it's doing it the wrong way and we should be ch- checking into what experts and thinkers and activists are doing anyway i've gone off on a tangent there but all that because knife crime has been a huge thing for a while now in the uk and it's been growing and growing weirdly i talked about it in a song called great britain over 10 years ago how depressing is that how depressing is that 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 i talked about it in great britain and talked about some stats about knife crime in that and it's just got worse and worse and worse um yeah we happen to have had a government for pretty much all that period i believe that um Maybe hasn't helped things, but let's get into the podcast anyway. We're brought to you as ever by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's where you can buy merch. There's loads of good winter stuff over there. We've got our We May Not Be For You and That's Fine beanies and hoodies. We've got Scroobius Pip hoodies. We've got all sorts of good stuff. Check it out scarves, umbrellas. Check it all out. uh We're also brought to you by patreon.com forward slash Scroobius Pip, where you can support the podcast for a dollar or two a month and that really helps cover all the costs. And then, as said, there's twitch.tv forward slash Scroobius Pipio. Genuinely, I can't urge you enough to go and watch the uh, the, the big Halloween stream with Jed Sh- Shepherd, who was a previous guest on the podcast. Yeah, and thank you for everyone who's been sending love about Flashback. I've not talked about it much, um, or really, I've not posted about it because of the actor s- s- strikes. A lot of you will know I'm a... Huge supporter of strikes and unions and uh, activism, social activism. So yeah, but thank you for all the love on that. Let's get into the podcast. A was one of the easiest people to speak to. I mean, the hardest part of this conversation was learning how to say their name. So I'm delighted to find out. It's nice and easy. But yeah, I'm delighted to introduce episode 500. And 38 of the distraction pieces podcast with a Brennock this <laughs> piece of fiction is the intront of the structure pieces this piece of fiction is the intront of the this piece of fiction is the intront of the pieces this piece of fiction is the intront of the pieces. And we're good. We are recording. I'm joined today by A. Brenock. How are you, man? I'm good, thanks,
1: Pip. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Quite an intense time. I've just had a, a film go out on a personal project, um, very yeah. personal subject. So yeah, quite intense. Lots of kind of love coming for the film, but also mm-hmm. it's uh, it's quite an emotive one as well.
0: I was going to ask, like, like that, that, how are you feeling at the top's a big one because there's a lot. I want to kind of ask about how you were feeling at many points in this in in this journey of yours, I guess. But yeah, how how has it been now? So scars a surviving a stabbing is out on BBC iPlayer, and as you say, it's an incredibly personal story. I loved it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it really talked on a really tough subject really well and didn't kind of hide behind anything. I guess. Um, Thank you. Man. How's it been? since it's come out because it's one thing to make it it's one thing to have been doing all these things it's quite a different thing when it's actually out there on iPlayer of all places for everyone to see Yeah I I think it's funny because
1: you kind of part of this film was almost like balancing directing and therapizing myself through the film Mm -hmm. and you kind of think okay once the film's done I'll have at least finished that section but now I'm talking about it more than ever and I'm kind of yeah this is really where the, the discussion about kind of knife violence and, and men's mental health and masculinity and just how yeah. violence impacts us as men in general starts. So, yeah, lots of messages from friends of mine that I, I never knew had been affected by knife violence. Lots of messages from other people that I don't know um, sharing their experiences. and it's It is heavy at times, but I also think it's it's why we make these films we we make them to to have impact and create discussions mm-hmm. to be honest um I found out that the film's going to be taken into some prisons um soon oh, yeah. potentially for some sessions so I think watching a film it can it can impact someone and it can it can make them think but what I'm really keen to do is get it used in sessions hand in hand with ongoing pastoral care for people that are affected mm mm-hmm. That's how I think it's going to have the most impact, being used as a tool, a resource, um, a way to start discussions with um, with the yeah, people that could benefit from it. Really,
0: well, that's it. I think. I mean, I've talked a fair bit on the podcast with people like Kano and and others about credible role models, and again, I think knife crime is one of those things that it's all well and good for the people upstairs in government or wherever to talk about it or rant about it, but that's not relating to anyone who's actually experiencing it. And what I think your documentary does really well is talk to a good variation of people who've got these experiences. And the the people you talk to are all those kind of credible role models in that way. And, I mean, you've heard the podcast before. You know I go fucking all over the place. But you, you mentioned about the the balance of storytelling telling other people's stories and and self-therapizing on this what, one of the things i wanted to talk to you about was how you found trying to balance what was best for you and what was best f- for the film because i i don't want to give away part of it but a theme in the film is you deciding if you're going to uh, reach out, restorative justice, if you're going to reach out to the person who stabbed you. And I I found it a really fascinating part because you had your doubts, your partner had doubts. And it is this weird thing of, for the film, yeah, you've got to, obviously, it's the best thing. But you've moved on a lot. You're not in contact with the person at all. The person didn't Mm. go down for anything like that. So it's a big choice to bring them back into your l- life as such. So Passive, how yeah. how did you find that kind of element of it, of going, am I looking at doing what's best for me or am I, as a filmmaker, l- looking at what's best for the film and maybe ignoring what's best f- for me? Yeah, I mean, it's,
1: it's interesting because it's a really, really fine line, isn't
0: it? And it's something that it I was is. kind of
1: negotiating with myself at, at all times because, like... The film started to merge with my personal life completely. Mm-hmm. like Because I, because quite quickly when I started talking, I, I experienced sort of night terrors, which I hadn't experienced for years since being stabbed. But then I started filming myself sleeping. So my, my amazing girlfriend was putting up with me, having kind of like a camera in our room sometimes yeah, or yeah, yeah. a Zoom recorder next to the bed. Yeah. Which is quite extreme, really. It started to creep into, into my, my life. But um, I also wanted to lean into that. And then there are some things in the film that times when I was vulnerable where I thought part of me doesn't want to be this vulnerable. Like I, there's a time when I spoke mm. about carrying a, a weapon when I was, um, shortly after I was attacked. And like there's part of me that didn't necessarily want to share that at the time, but it's really important I did. It's, that's that's the reality of it. I think it's it's uncomfortable to, to be vulnerable at these moments. But there's another like amazing guy who talks about his experience Experience of carrying as well. And I just needed to be do. I needed to be vulnerable in solidarity with the people in the film, really, that were. It's, 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 that were I mean, brave it's enough
0: a, I think it's a really important part because it really highlights, with the greatest respect, how so much of this is born of fear. Mm. It is people who are carrying because they know other people are carrying. I mean, it is that fear and panic. It's, it's there's a very. Like, despite all the bravado on socials and things like that, a lot of it is born of fear, and that's yeah. like told the story there. The fact that you were carrying a, a weapon after was because you'd experienced something fucking terrifying, and you know it. Then that multiplies, right? That's how the problem becomes a an epidemic. For sure, I think I think fear, a hundred percent, and
1: just I mean, they say hurt people, hurt people. I think if you're mm. If something's happened to you, if you're if you're hurt, if you're traumatised, then you sort of accept that as a norm in a way. And then I think it's I think you are probably more susceptible sometimes, you can be to to harming other people. I think that was my experience that I knew that someone had taken it, pushed past that kind of that threshold, like way, way beyond where I would have gone. But then when someone raises the stakes and you know your life's at risk, it's it's mm. it's kind of That that was what I was like in my mid twenties. Think about a fifteen year old who's gone through it, who has more vulnerabilities than me. Probably Mm. less, like less foundations laid and opportunities um, to take them away from to take them away from that. You know,
0: and more exposure to to these things. The more it's normalised as well. The more it's a, a a regular thing. All your mates are carrying knives. It's not. I think there's so many things that adults, grown ups look down on young people for and they forget what it was like when you were young. And do you know what I mean? But again, also, not just what it was like when you were young, but the fact that it's going to be different because you've had different experiences, mm. if you know what I mean. I'm not articulating this well, but is it, there's so much in society at the moment. Social media is a prime example of this. People who didn't have social media all through their growing up period of their life can't understand the hold it has and the connection and the relationship that people have with it and it's the same with sadly some of these things because knife crime is something that's got far more of a problem you know in recent years yeah and it is far more common and far more there's going to be far more fear there i guess like you give a stat right at the start that knife crime on average every 11 minutes there's some kind of 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 knife-based crime in in the uk at the moment and that's terrifying. That's terrifying as a grown man. Mm. <laughs> imagine imagine as you say a 15-year-old kid. Yeah,
1: and I mean I think it's it's definitely creeping out to the sticks and the smaller towns a lot more it has in the last decade. Like we film in Kent, Kent is a place where knife crime has tripled in 10 years. Wow. We film in Gloucester the level at which knife crime increased in Gloucester is sort of twice the national average over a decade. So mm. we're seeing it more and more in the small towns. Like They say it has a pandemic effect as well. So kind of it's that speaks to the fear as well. So if you live in an area where
0: you're aware of it, you don't feel safe, you're more susceptible to carrying as well. Mm. Well, I mean, let's talk about the show more as well, because I really liked, it's not just your story, your you're looking at everything and you talk to numerous people how did you kind of decide how you wanted to approach this and you, and who you were going to talk to and and all the all of that it's a funny one because i came in with loads of sort of stuff
1: that i wanted to say about knife crime and then you find people that you who you really admire and you want to give a voice to and actually then you're just really led by their experience more it's a very mm-hmm. there's it's not really like a normal knife crime film where we sort of talk about sort of like the bigger picture it's much more just about how these individual people that I check in with not many as well there's four there's four men that I speak to in the film mm-hmm. um, and it's about that how they're processing the ripple effects um, and how it's affecting their lives really so I'm from the southwest and I guess kind of my work in the past has like always been it has been like a little bit rural but a little bit mm-hmm. gritty as well it's kind of like yeah, I'm really yeah, interested yeah. in these kind of in these moodier sort of small towns like I, gr- I kind of grew up like experiencing that kind of thing, and kind of experience things growing up in the southwest that you wouldn't expect people to experience in small towns. Almost, I think people always just think that violence and drugs and stuff exist in um, in the bigger cities. But I was drawn, mm. I was drawn to those places. So Gloucester is somewhere I looked into right
0: away. Well, small towns are prime for it. I've lived in the same small town my whole life, and the amount of drugs, racism at points, all these different things because it's bored people. It's people who are bored and have got nothing to do, and that's when drugs, alcohol, all of these things are going to grab hold of you all the easier. So small towns can be rife for for that kind of thing, logically as well.
1: 100%. Yeah, 100%. I think it's like nowhere's nowhere's immune to it. You could move out of the city and say you're going to the sticks. You could move out of Bristol and then end up in Western Supermare and you can have a lot of the same issues there. And then you could move out of London you could find yourself over on the Kent coast, or something like yeah. that, in in Margate, and you probably yeah, it won't it won't be immune to it either. So yeah, it's, so I kind of I was interested in Gloucester. It's a town that I knew I knew pretty well. Um, the Knife Angel was was going there when I started filming, which is this giant structure built out of um, seized knives. Um, oh wow! And I came across this young activist called Jasper Tate Williams. In the quite early stages, and he was, he, Jasper takes knives off the streets basically from families and people that are in need that don't want to carry anymore. And he acts as a sort of a middleman between the community and the police. He's got the trust of his yeah, community.
0: I, f- I, I, I follow a guy called, called Farron Paul on Instagram who's yeah. been doing a lot of that for years as well. And exactly Amazing the way. same thing with Jasper Tate Williams that, um, it's being that, again, that, that, credible middleman between the police and and the community to go look, look because all police stations have these these weapons amnesties and they're meant to just accept without any question. I've seen Far and Paul have trouble with that. You know, I'm sure Jasper's had trouble with that as well, where they want to ask more questions and what but that's not your role. That's not their role. They're trying to take these things off the streets. And the amount of of weapons all of these guys who do this do take off the streets is Mind-blowing. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of farron and
1: Faz amnesty yeah. as well. And um, yeah. I've been following him for years as well. And yeah, he, he's doing amazing work as well. Travelling all over the mm. country and sort of having people that help him around as well, isn't he?
0: And doing, again, these guys doing this stuff that it feels like maybe our police and our governments and our councils aren't taking enough action to do. Like, it shouldn't be in the hands of the regular people to to deal with this, but this situation's got to extent that people are taking action and it's it's powerful but it, bro- it, it breaks my heart at the same time it it breaks my heart that these people are needed that we've been, have been f- failed so deeply by our government and by our police forces that yeah, yeah. you know it's it's in the hands of the general public and to, to 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 reach out and communicate with the community the community the the government the council the police were all meant to be part of the community and it Feels like we've never been further from that. It feels very, very much like an us and them, mm. or multiple uses and one big useless them. But we won't get too heavy on the <laughs> on the politics here. I'm starting to rant all of a sudden,
1: but no, it's true. It's what we're seeing. We're seeing kind of because um, the support isn't there. We're seeing more people at a grassroots level doing things like collecting knives, and then also because the mental health support isn't there, we're seeing people trying to therapize themselves you know um mm. and like we see in the film it's um yeah we're kind of it's it's all a product of of a system that's kind of like leaving people out there isn't it what i find interesting about jasper is he did have the trust of the community he could be there in times where people would never have called the police on like their younger family member for because they found knives in his bedroom you know so jasper can go in in those moments and support those people i read an article in which he was talking about how knife crime impacts mental health, and it was mm. one line, but I I could read I read it and it was too intuitively written to for him not to have been affected. I knew that he'd been through similar things to me just through sort of reading that. Really, so I reached out to him. I went and met him in Gloucester, and instantly I just admired what he does. Like he's 22 years old, he's self-funding it all off his own back. Mm. It's quite triggering for him. He's been affected by a knife attack himself and he's kind of of found his own form of exposure therapy, really, to kind of put himself back into these environments, Mm. helping people that are in very similar scenarios to what he was about five years ago. Well, that's the thing that struck me was,
0: and again, it's going to sound like a small thing, but every time you showed old photos of everyone, of, of, of yourself, of these lads and all this, because we meet them as these balanced, emotional, you know, rational, trying to help people. And it's a quick glance to go, oh, no, they were bad men in there. <laughs> like, 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 like they were out there, you know, in, in, in that world. And they're great examples of, look, something happened that, Push them to get to this place. I think. I think a lot of people can go on Instagram or see again a lot of the stuff that Farron Paul posts, where you're seeing all these horrible v- videos of people gl- gloating about their knives and all this, and it can l- look like the youth are beyond saving or whatever. Do you know what I mean? In 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 that way. I mean, not. Mate, no one most, is, most of them are know,
1: such sweet kids. Like, honestly, yeah, I've met I've but, met so many people that have been caught up in really horrific sort of. Like incidents, but they're the, the sweetest lads when you talk to them. It's like- a front; it's all yeah. a
0: front, and, and that's what's needed. Again, it's the fear thing. It's it's yeah. it's a front and bravado, and they shouldn't all have to suffer horrific incidents mm. to come out the other side of it. You, you know, there is there should be more that that is done and that can be done, and that people like J- J- Jasper and everyone you talk to really are doing. And yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, you spoke about. Role models earlier, Piff, and I, I agree. I
1: think we're in a really bad place in terms of our role models now and the people, I mean, we've got people like Andrew Tate, who's obviously a donut and kind of is not mm-hmm. an advocate for sort of men being vulnerable, really, in mm-hmm. general. Um yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, like, I firstly, I think I would never I would never put this all on music. I think that is an absolute kind of slap in the face when you look at like 70% of our youth services being cut over a decade and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't use music as a scapegoat. Saying that, I do think, like, as a filmmaker, I always think about how I'm representing things, what I'm putting out there, and how that can impact people, because the media does, it does impact us, you know, like what we yeah. absorb. And I, I, I don't know, I'd love to see kind of more musicians making more of an effort to kind of not like promote desensitised violence. Like me and a lot of my circle have, have grown up, sort of a lot of people making music, making hip hop and stuff like that. And it kind of, I've seen people very affected by music mm. and what comes by it. And I, I think we can't really underestimate how much young people are impacted by it. I'd, I'd love to see people that you wouldn't expect. I don't know, like, like someone like Diggity or something like that kind of, just stopping with like i don't know just showing a bit more vulnerability yeah i I listened to jay Huss's latest album and i I love i love his music i think he's he's talented but it was there was more kind of violence and sex in it than than the last couple of albums Mm. um Mm. and i was kind of a little bit disappointed because i kind of i was hoping to see a little bit of growth but i think if anything he was kind of matching the threshold of a lot of the drill artists out there as well and and knowing that that's kind of the level of stimulation or violence that you need to sort of meet to engage audiences. Um, So yeah, personally, I I would like to see more role models kind of um, pushing a message of vulnerability and and being against the violence, really.
0: Or or, or one of the people that you spoke to in the video was your mate who who, who raps and and you've done music videos for in the past, right? Mm, mm, Twizzy, yeah. Twizzy is one of
1: and my best
0: mates, yeah. Something he said was one of the most heartbreaking and moving bits when he was talking about people saying, you're lucky you didn't die. And he was saying that he's not l- lucky he survived. If he's dead, he's dead. And that's it. Whereas the person who stabbed him is lucky he didn't die because they'd be going uh, uh, down for murder. Their life would, would be ruined. But he lived and now he has to live on with it. Mm-hmm. You know, live on with that experience and what he's been through. And there's no luck there. And it was... Fucking powerful, but heartbreaking at the same time that there is an element there that it is, well, yeah, it's the, the survivors who have to keep mm. living with this and dealing with this. And that's that's what the film's about, essentially. It's about the PTSD. Mm. It's about the after effects of stabbing. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And
0: that was just, yeah, I thought that was just a really moving section and really moving interview because he seemed angry. He seemed angry still. Yeah, you know, it's, um, and, it's- and, and, and so far. that hadn't been shown much everyone else was so kind of here's how i've moved on here's how i've developed he seemed kind of like nah this is shit mm. <laughs> you know and that's a, again that's a voice that we don't hear enough of
1: 100 percent. and um i mean firstly i probably wouldn't have done this film if it wasn't for Twiz. man he's um yeah he kind of gave me so much encouragement even before this film was kind of like commissioned and stuff like that i checked in with him i was like i think i'm gonna I'm thinking about doing this, and um, and yeah, I'm eternally grateful to sort of have shared this journey with him. For me, that's one of the kind of the strongest scenes in the film. I think it shows. I mean, it's it's been almost 20 years since he was stabbed, and he's still he still carries a lot of hurt from mm-hmm. it. You know, it's kind of it shows the legacy that it can it can have on us. There's a really really revealing moment towards the end when he says he kind of like. He opens up he's, he's, and he shows so much pain and then he goes, but you know what, I'm all good and I'm not walking around like this and if I am feeling like this, you won't see me. And that just mm-hmm. makes me think of so many of my my male friends that when they're struggling, you don't fucking hear from them. Like you, They'll disappear yeah. for a couple of months. Yeah. And then they'll pop up and they'll be like, "Oh, I've been really low. or I've been suicidal or something like that." And um, I think
0: that's that's a
1: problem. I think, that's
0: when I want to hear from you. That's you when, I wanna from you, yeah. when I want to hear from you. Yeah, I want to hear from you the
1: most. That's you know? we need coping mechanisms in place that we reach out to each other. When we're in those moments, but yeah, I yeah. think he just nailed it. That like just so well saying, "I'm not walking around like this," but when I'm when I am feeling low, you won't see me. And he laughs mm. so, and it's yeah, yeah, it's it's revealing.
0: Or, or or Jasper had, had 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 similar. Like, there's a point where you couldn't get in touch with him. And again, it's mad because your first interview, he's such a positive and driven influence in his community mm. and and in wider c- uh, communities. But this shit isn't simple. It's not one well w- 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 one level. You don't go, "Oh, i figured it out." You know, it can come back around and it can hit you and it can continue to sneak up on you. I guess, and that's. It's a horrible thing, right? It's you, you can never be s- s- certain you've got on top of it as such. Yeah,
1: a hundred percent. Yeah, he put that, he put that down to a burnout, and I suppose mm. yeah, it's not fair that he's still feeling the effects of that five years later. You know, yeah, I, I really admire him. I think he puts so much into his work. He's not funded. Like we've just actually gone and done a GoFundMe for him like the other mm. day, and he's and we're sharing yeah. that around. And I'm hoping that he's gonna turn the business into a registered charity because it takes a lot from him at the moment you know mm. like um yeah it, i don't think there's anything that would almost be as rewarding as the work he does for him because he cares so deeply
0: about it but yeah. but the burnout is real and and again <laughs> yeah, yeah, like real. look after yourself in this period man because mm. like mm. i i know that when i do a lot of work for the st- 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 stammer always on cue the british stammering association um mm. yeah. I love it, it means the world to me, but I've now got good at observing when I'm hitting a wall on it and it's getting it's getting overwhelming because I don't... In my day-to-day life, I don't think of myself as someone with a stutter or the stuttering guy or a representative of stammers or anything else. So when I do a period of that work... Yeah. As I said it's rewarding it's positive it means the world but yeah. it builds there's probably up nothing that you and, kind of there's the burnout not many things that
1: you care about
0: kind of yeah. like, like more you know
1: what I mean it's, Yeah, um, Exactly but, it is but that.
0: the burnout on these things is real so yeah, yeah it's worth keeping an eye on and that's one of the things I wanted to, to, to talk about here cuz we talk about PTSD we talk about the effect it has on an individual um we talk about what work can be done for for that individual one of the things that really jumped out to me in this documentary was how many partners are in it and how key they are. Again, we don't hear that much about the effects of PTSD on those around you and those who are supporting you and, and, and loving you. It's almost a given that it's like, oh, you'll be there for them, but it's fucking hard work, and it's in and of itself. So, how was or how important was that to talk to the partners of? I think almost everyone you spoke to and again there's not always there just sitting there smiling in agreement even including your partner at points where you're putting f- forward some ideas and your partner was like I don't think I don't think that sounds like a good idea for you how key is that to those suffering with PTSD and and again it doesn't have to be a partner it can be family or friends or whatever else but yeah how yeah. how crucial is that I think I think women are quite often
1: aware of their of their partner's kind of um mental health and well-being you know yeah, um yeah. i think i think they absorb a lot of that and um yeah i'm i'm really glad you picked that up because yeah there's probably this there's, there's four partners that either feature or are mentioned like because twiz mm. mentions his his um his wife as well but like on a personal level for me like i'm eternally grateful for my girlfriend just putting up with me throwing myself into this process and, like, <laughs> yeah. essentially kind of coming close to re-traumatising myself at times because it's pretty real when you're having a night terror and your girlfriend's in bed next to you, do you know what I mean? Like, that yeah, man. That kind of creeps into, the, into your family home and it does impact things. And just kind of, just the headspace that I was in making this film as well. I was so deep into the film and I think it must have been quite hard to be around me at times because... Mm. I think I was probably just like in my head. I was kind of like just thinking about a million things. Um so not always the most present. Um so I'm, it, I'm an it's, it's,
0: it's very interesting. That. Yeah, it's interesting with any kind of care because I think everyone can say I would be there, I would support initially. Mm. It's when those things become the norm that like I I know I've had partners in the past who have night terrors and I've been adamant to support and to look after them when they they have the things. But there's 100% been times where it's been going on for a month or so and the first initial thought when I wake up is like, ah, for fuck's sake, all right. Do you know what I mean? It it turns into, like anything, it turns into real-life stuff. It's not this theoretical thing of I'd support my partner through anything. Of course you would, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. 100%. It does become a chore as such, which you, you, you then have to wrestle with the fact that they're going through something horrible and you're going ah for fuck's sake i'm being woken up again it's like you know it's it's a it's a mad one yeah it is and i mean we we had we had our our daughter um
1: like a few months before i started this project so it's not the best timing for me to be doing that my my partner my partner franz are really talented she's a screenwriter as well Mm. um so she's got things that she wants to be doing as well you know but um but this this project is something that has um, yeah taken a lot of um, concentration from us both really. Then other partners in the film. There's Amanda, who's Curtis's girlfriend. Who, mm-hmm. um, I mean, they were kind of like about to have their first date when he was stabbed. Um, so they she they kind of essentially were just getting to know each other around that time. She I witnessed the stabbing. Into us, yeah. She witnessed the stabbing. She oh, wow. kind of she plugged the wound at the scene, do you know what I mean? And then for Curtis, like, he's he's been amazingly resilient and he's been, I mean, the best part of it, the first year has been, like, a massive physical recovery for him, like, mm. as, me- as well as a psychological one, but it's just taken a long time to be able to get back in the gym and sort of feel like he's he's back to full strength. And Amanda's kind of been there, new relationship, been there and supported him through all of it. Mm. And she's witnessed it as well, you know. And I think, like trauma, it can be vicarious. You know, you you can just see something; you don't have to go through it yourself. Yeah, like I think they've um, they've both been amazingly resilient. I think she deserves she deserves credit in this as
0: well. Hundred mm, percent. And again, you say that you can just see, it and it can be the trauma. Most times that we have dreams and stuff, we are witnessing from from the outside you know often it is an outside view and that's that if 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 anyone who's seen that can have that same trauma and 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 repeating thing but um i love curtis and i thought curtis was a really important part of this film because yeah you spoke to kieran quinlan um in birmingham who's amazing as well but he's an influencer he's really inspirational he's turned his Experience into this this positive and motivational thing. He started an amazing gym, The Pit. He speaks about it. He's vocal about it. Curtis is just a bloke who got s- stabbed, and I think that's a really important representation as well. He doesn't like again, like a Jasper is an activist now and all this. Mm. Uh, yeah. I thought it was really important to represent just someone who hasn't turned around and gone right. Well, I'm going to now. Yeah. This is going to be the the key part of my identity. I'm going to you know present this and show what people can do it's like he just went through a fucking horrible thing and is dealing with it as best he can and I thought that was a really important variation on it rather than simply here's all these great inspirational voices because it's the reality of it not everyone is going to react in the same way 100% and I mean Curtis is the person that in the film that went through it the most
1: it's the most fresh for him like I think Mm -hmm. When I first spoke to him at the start of this year, it'd been like six months, and I think his perpetrator just got sentenced to twelve years. And he was really early stages of sort of like recovering physically, but he's he's been so brave, man. I mean, he's also been really active in terms of like seeking closure. Like he's, I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's gone through the court process, which is something I never had the balls to do. To be honest, I didn't feel like I could go through that.
0: Well, that's one of the big questions I've got written down here, and mm. it's. To snitch or not to snitch. And I, I hate the word snitch because it's got such negative connotations attached to it, but it is the, the easiest, most recognizable terminology because Curtis did appear in court and and his perpetrator and was
1: actually identified through CCTV. So he didn't yeah. um he didn't even have to name him, which I think kind of yeah. makes it easier
0: yeah. as well. Well that's it. He hadn't s- Seeing him again that blew my mind because he had his back turned, so it was like he was seeing him for the first time in court. But he did stand up and 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 go to court and and go through this, and it felt like that really helped with closure. And y- yourself, I think, I think Jasper didn't end up, you know, go, going through any of that. I think most of the people you spoke to didn't go through that. And it's an interesting subject and t- and topic, as said, because. Curtis did seem to feel that going through that process of getting j- j- justice through the courts really helped him with closure, really helped him with the experience of it. Or how do you kind of feel on that at this stage? Because, yeah, it's complex, isn't it, right? It's really complex. And I, I kind of think,
1: like, it's down to the individual's decision, really. Like, it's not kind of, I think, whether or not you go through that process of sort of pressing charges or supporting a case against a perpetrator if you're a victim of a crime. Like, I say the word victim just in a legal sense. We don't use the word victim in the film. We just say survivor, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. But I think it's down to the individual, probably who you are, who your family are, what your community is, and like, and what the repercussions would be for you. I th- I, what I didn't want to make is a film that was kind of like anti-speaking to the police or anti-pressing charges, you know. I, I think... It's a really important thing to consider.
0: No. Yeah, it isn't either. And that's I think you're completely right. There's so much nuance on this. And I like that this documentary doesn't try to say, I've got all the answers. You presenting your own vulnerability is mm. is evidence of like, look, everyone has to try to do their best. Mm. Here's what some people have done. Here's here's how that's turned out. And you know, it's yeah, it's examples rather than here's what you do you've got to go to the police immediately and you've got to do this or you've got to do that. It's like, it's not as simple as that. So, yeah. No, nah,
1: I mean, look, I, I couldn't go through with it at the time. I think I was, I, I was just like really overstimulated and hurt after I was stabbed. And I think I just wanted to move on and um mm. and try and better myself. So I, I, I couldn't like picture dragging it out with a court case for a year. I thought some, some of my social circle might see me differently if I did it. And I don't know if it would have been the right thing for me I also kind of had a bit of a bit of guilt that I'd kind of played my role in a kind of in an altercation as well and that was kind of something that I found I kind of like yeah helped helped me to make sense of it in a way but I think what I noticed in Curtis is that a year later he didn't carry the kind of the anger and the hurt that I did eight years later I think Mm -hmm. that's really interesting like I think yeah he's seen his perpetrator get 12 years to go and think about what he's done really. Um he's not in the community. I was still kind of in a in in Bristol and sort of um which is quite close knit to be honest. So I I knew I could sort of see my my guy at any time. So yeah I think it's I think it was the right thing for Curtis, like personally. Um Mm. and I think it's it's different for each for each person, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Well let's talk a little bit about you and your life prior to all this like like you, you you've been a filmmaker right you made music videos and stuff like that and you're in, in Bristol did you say mm, so what we, was your kind of what what kind of kid were you and what was your your focuses and and ambitions?
1: I was always always a creative kid really like I um yeah I grew up in Ireland until I was seven uh, my dad's Irish mum's kind of English has some Irish heritage as well and then when my parents broke up I sort of move with my mum and both my brothers to North Devon, um, to an area called Torridge. And it's an interesting area. It's it's beautiful. It's kind of one of the most deprived areas of Devon. So it's kind of like kind of like seaside towns, but not a knife crime hotspot, I'd say. Mm. Still like there is there is violence there. I mean and and sort of the mortality from sort of drugs and overdoses is kind of twice the national average there. Wow. So that was kind of the more, more what I sort of kind of experienced within my circle growing up was kind of like in terms of violence, I witnessed just a lot of kind of pub fights and stuff like that.
0: It's something about seaside towns, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so, but at the same time, with this beautiful backdrop as well, you got like you got
0: amazing kind of. Oh, like that's what struck me. I've, I've spent like a lot that. of time in Ramsgate and Margate, mm. and they're beautiful. And it really st- struck me when when Curtis's story was was playing out there and kind of of seeing the kind of, yeah, the, the two sides of it all. Mm. But I think being brought up by my mum, I, I was kind
1: of with the Irish family, like, over in Ireland, and um, and my dad always over in Ireland. My mum always pushed me into creativity, and the Irish family mm. was like, oh, is it worth trying to do the filmmaking thing? You know, like, can't even earn a few pounds, you got to work for free. But I kind of, yeah, I think creative... Being creative was all I was ever going to do, really. A lot of my friends went into trades and I was always just that kid that had decks. So I was I was producing music, making little films and stuff like that. Um, mm. It's all I really know how to do um, and how to sort of make sense of things. So, And then when I moved to Bristol, got sort of family near there as well. Did I did a degree and then uh, in media and I sort of started just like being a little kind of I suppose a bit of a little guerrilla filmmaker. I sort of had my first camera, did music videos. The Prince's Trust funded my first camera, really helped me out amazingly and kind of like, yeah, really sort of like propelled me. And I was trying to make my way in the world. And then um, that was when I met the person that stabbed me actually. And um, I actually ended up working with him and it turned sour. I didn't get paid. And that's and that that all came from that, really, trying to make my way as a filmmaker in the really early stages.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, it's addressed right at the start of the film, you were stabbed in the face and that kind of must have changed everything for a period, right? Yeah. Socially, creatively, you know, in every way. Yeah, I instantly just sort of
1: thought I kind of, I looked rough because I had this facial scar. So I started like trying to like, cut my hair less short and stuff like that. I was very aware yeah. of it. I'm lucky that my, my facial scars sort of healed well in time and then the other places where I stabbed was sort of like in the top of my head and my side and stuff like that. So they're kind of not really on show. So yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, it, it, it did change things. I, I went back to work a few days later and I kind of had very visible scars and... um mm. Lucky to have supportive people around me. Really, I mean, I mean, my my injuries healed within a few weeks. I kind of had stitches and staples out, and I was. I think that allowed me to bury it more. Whereas some people that say Curtis has had a year recovery. Yes, so much like more severe physical injuries,
0: and it felt so innocuous as well, kind of thing. It did just kind of yeah. It's so that's the brutality of of knife crime is you never know what organs you, you're going to hear. It could be a quick recovery or it could be you know a year or whatever mm. or, or no recovery of there is course. nowhere good to yeah. stab
1: someone like there's yeah. kind of like you and any limb any any like anywhere in the body there's 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 precious mm. stuff there you know there's nowhere there's nowhere that it's right to do
0: yeah yeah it's brutal how were you i guess mentally initially you say you healed quick recovered quick health-wise how were you in in that initial like a year or so how much did it change you as as a person
1: i think if you if you spoke to other people around me they would have said that they didn't really notice that much Mm. but then kind of in my own time i was i was i started having night terrors right away so i was sort of like kicking out in my bed and screaming in my sleep and stuff like that and then um i think I, i had what i think was a panic attack like probably like six months in and i remember saying to my friend around that time i just feel like i've just drank loads of espressos all of the time I was just my my adrenaline was still still just kind of so right. even six months later just like kind of just kind of pumping through me really um from sort of a near-death experience I suppose yeah yeah um and then you kind of you're out in town and there's, there's an element of how a near-death experience has shaped your brain and there's like there's an element of that kind of that fear that comes with that um, but also there's kind of an element of like genuine danger as well and I, I, I did receive threats afterwards so I kind of I knew that there was a chance that I could find myself in a very similar scenario again so yeah that was it was a really yeah it was it was kind of that first year it was kind of was really tough just in terms of kind of just navigating the city and stuff like that and knowing just kind of looking over my shoulder going out cuz it happened yeah. a, it happened on a night out so yeah like even even now there are kind of little ripple effects that I see if I go to a music venue or something like that you know you're just kind of like mm-hmm. a little bit more aware of danger i think it changes the way you see the world you see the world as more of a more of a dangerous place once someone's kind of essentially kind of not not cared for your life in that way or harmed you mm um, yeah. And I think I think it's something that so many young people go through. Like for me, I, I wasn't that comfortable at first making so much of the film about me because I'd naturally give voices to other people. But I kind of learned that I kind of had to be a, a surrogate really for, like for the audience and a, and a way for them to kind of see what so many young people in our communities go through. So I kind of saw my own experiences and I thought, well, there must be thousands of young people living in our communities without sort of support and probably without diagnosed trauma and, and ptsd
0: mm. and, and 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 when did you decide that this was a film that you wanted to make because all creative art is amazing making things making music videos it's different when someone like the bbc is on board when you know that this is going to have a reach you know it's going to be available In everyone's homes and all that kind of thing, and that's the kind of reach that this specific subject needs. Right? Mm, I've made quite a lot of films like this in sensitive
1: spaces for years. I've just I've laid my foundations. Like Mm -hmm. just shortly after I was stabbed, I I spent eighteen months on a series called Drugs Land, which followed kind of drugs in the city of Bristol from the perspective of dealers, police, users, um, recovery, politicians. And that was really formative for me. So I've, I've kind of been laying my foundations in this area for eight years. And I got to a place where I knew I was going to make my first 60-minute through a BBC scheme. So I, I knew I was going to sort of um, direct my first film. And it was an opportunity to develop a film, basically. And I, I've always wanted to make things... To make this craft as expressive as possible, I've always tried to develop my own stuff, come up with ideas. like Because otherwise, you, if you kind of just go for jobs and stuff like that it's kind of you're not it, it gives you yeah. less of a voice you know and being stabbed was something I hadn't really ever brought into a work setting if anything I've I'd kind of like completely buried it and just thought that is not gonna <laughs> that that's a really negative thing that actually I don't <laughs> yeah, yeah. need to tell people about it makes me it makes me kind of um seem less professional or seem kind of rough or something like that so but then I got to a point where I just the feeling I was carrying sort of it wasn't going away. I'd think about it. My heart would start beating. I still felt kind of anger. I still felt hurt, and I just found myself sort of mentioning it to a few people when I was talking to development teams and stuff like that. And it actually, started out the idea started out as like potentially a talent led thing with with someone else. We we're saying maybe we could we could if we'd have sort of um, a celebrity or something that's been that's experienced it and looking at the psychological impact. So we pitched that, but then the BBC were like, oh, actually, this little section about your own lived experience is kind of much, it's more interesting. Uh, would you be open to do an, an Orford film looking at your own experience and speaking to other people whose experiences have parallels to yours? And at that point, I kind of had to think about it for a really long time. I wasn't sure. I kind of, yeah, it, it wasn't a decision I took lightly. And in the end, I kind of, I took a leap of faith and... um it's a subject that's really close to my heart, and I thought it would be more rewarding than anything else. To be honest, um, I also knew that if it went wrong, and I sort of channeled my own hurt into a film, and it ended up being shit, then um, then that could be kind of quite upsetting as well.
0: Yeah, there's more at stake when it's so personal.
1: Hundred percent, and it's a it's a massive subject. It's kind of like sadly, really like topical, even in the last couple of months. So it's it's a really it's a big thing to take on. Um, so you're right, when you do it through a broadcaster, it is, it's is—it's much more of a weight to carry. But, I mean, the advantage is the, the impact it can have. Like, it's its already gone out to so many people um, mm. and that's not something I could have done. You know, these days you can kind of do it through your own YouTube channel, can't you, as well? And there's, there's some amazing people doing Yeah, but it can vary, that, can't it? Yeah, if if is, can. there is,
0: I think there is a different v- validity of of these established platforms. Um, before I wrap things up and ask what's ahead, how do you know when a film like this is finished? Because it's it's a subject that's so deep. Um, there's so many, I know you tried to talk to a guy called Aggie who who posted all through and during their immediate aftermath of, of their stabbing. There's probably so many people you want to talk to or want to reach out to, how do you get that kind of gauge of no? Here's here's the stories that that we're focusing on. Here's here's the end. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think
1: you you start casting your net really wide at the beginning and film with different people. I film with some other amazing people that, like, sadly, just like I, I admire them so much. And then for certain reasons, just like because of the shape of the overall film, they they weren't in the final piece. But they're mm-hmm. people that I'm have really shape my journey as well and i'll be in touch with and i'll be checking in with all the time as well you know yeah. um it comes down to kind of to what you've captured um the journeys that you've been able to sort of follow with individual people it's not like we just see people once we, we follow them as and we check yeah. in with them like we check in with curtis a couple of times same with jasper same with kieran so it, it kind of comes down to to the kind of the journeys that say the most. And and yeah. it's about your people. It's kind of it's not a knife crime film as much as it is it's kind of really just about about um the people and their journeys um seeking closure in different ways really. It's um it's very led by by character. So it's it's not the last time that I will be working in this area. Like mm-hmm. I, there are there's a lot more that I wanna say and there's a lot that I didn't get into this film. So I definitely will be sort of Keeping in touch with the organizations I've connected with and stuff like that as well. Like um, yeah. there are some amazing organizations that I shadowed. I shadowed an organization called St. Giles Trust to embed kind of essentially trauma case workers, like youth workers in hospitals to and they're they're not there for medical reasons, they're just there for emotional support for yeah. people that have been shot, stabbed, or seriously assaulted. Wow. I admire what they do um like so much, and they support people in the community as well. I shadowed Catch 22, which is um, like a national service that's been going for. For a re- it's a really long-standing organisation, and they help young people who are affected or at risk of of, of knife violence um, and youth violence with ongoing mentoring, support with county lines, and stuff like that. So, I mean, these are amazing organisations that I've connected with, and there's there's so much more good work going on that I'd love to I'd love to reflect in the future.
0: Mm yeah that sounds amazing and uh, again it feels like it's an ongoing ongoing thing um how have your people re- reacted to this me and uh, there's a spoken word artist i i hit it off with really well early on called polar bears from Birmingham. oh yeah no I don't. we always spoke we always spoke about when we write the main thing we'd be thinking would be if if any of my boys came in now w- w- would they be laughing at me would they be going like, like what what you doing um, yeah. And kind of that thing. It's all well and good to have the outside world, and you've spoken of some of the reaction and some of the contact you've had. How, how, how have your people been? How have you have your boys felt about it? How's your partner felt about it? How's your your family felt about it?
1: Yeah, like, I mean, overwhelmingly, kind of emotive reaction from sort of yeah. from kind of all of those people. To be honest, um, like even some of my sort of boys and sort of like my circle that I would have almost thought. Would think I, I was kind of wet for having this conversation as well. Yeah, like yeah, they're yeah, the, they're yeah, yeah. the kind of people that I really want people to share this this film with because yeah. we've all kind of existed in sort of male circles growing up, or a lot of people have, where people aren't showing vulnerability, um and these things can be a bit desensitised. But even from from those from those kind of people that I would have expected a more kind of um yeah, I don't know, wouldn't have expected it to be so positive. Like it's it's really touched a lot of them. I've had friends reaching out that I never knew had been stabbed and kind of sharing their experiences with me. Really sort of unexpected emotive responses. My partner's just been amazing and she's kind of yeah, she's she's like really, really proud to be honest. Um and probably I imagine it's it's quite it's quite a tough watch for her and like for people like my mum as well. Like it, um yeah, of course. Cool. She kind of said it, she found it hard seeing me kind of being vulnerable but I, I think what I would say is just kind of be happy, like be happy when, you're, when your loved ones are leaning into that and
0: yeah.
1: and sharing in that way. And then there's kind of the response like from the public as well and it's just lots of people that I don't know who are reaching out. A lot of people um, with similar experiences who've been stabbed and it's and it's resonated with them so it's kind of, it's, it's a lot to to process getting all these messages, but I am very much here for that discussion. like it's why we <clears throat> it's why we make these things a buzz around every project sort of like has like a, a certain amount of time, doesn't it and then it, it yeah. always kind of um, dies down so I'm, I'm just I'm very much here for those chats and I'm just gonna gonna lean into it really.
0: I love it I love it and, and what's ahead? What's next for you? What else would you like to do? Is there anything else you've got on the horizon? that you can talk about or is it kind of all been building up to this and you need to just sit in this for a bit before you start thinking about that? I mean this one's been so full-on and like it's uh, it's it's just kind of like coming
1: to its end now so.
0: And it's so personal.
1: Yeah and it's so personal so I kind of did have to give everything to this one and um, I, yeah I've not thought about my next like how I'm going to pay my bills for the next couple of months. But I, I, <laughs> I, I will find a way. Um, and then after that, I'm doing something with the ambulance service, actually. Um, yeah. Like a, a bigger a bigger series um, with an amazing team that I've worked with before. But just kind of, yeah, it's a, it's a love letter to our NHS, basically. Um, amazing. And then in the future, I will 100% be developing more films. I love making single films and I'll be developing more on um on various subjects that, that i care about but um i don't think it's going to be i will undoubtedly do mentoring in this area and be engaging with people um sort of combating knife violence um but yeah i also hope to make films in this area again 100 percent, i've got a lot more to yeah. say
0: i love it well i appreciate you taking the time and coming on and as said i i thought the film was amazing i thought you did such a good job and spoke to such amazing people. So yeah, thank you for that as well.
1: Absolute pleasure, Pip. Really, thank you so much, mate. I've always seen your, your platform as somewhere where people can be vulnerable. Um, yeah, So 100%. So yeah, it means a lot. I really appreciate your time, mate. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces.
0: There we go. What a honest and open dude. As said, I loved that conversation. I could have talked to A for hours. We talked about talking more this past week, in fact. We've talked about chatting more, but I really loved that conversation. Go and check out Scars on uh, on BBC iPlayer. Scars surviving a stabbing. It's It's really astounding. Yeah, I'm excited for all that's ahead from this creative force. And I'm excited for you guys to be here. I know I touched upon it, but it's nine years. I think I said, I think I thought it was 10 years the other day. I genuinely thought we were in 2024. That's how fried my brain is at the moment. But it's been nine years of this podcast, and we continue to do episodes like this. You know, yes, we get like Stephen Fry and was James Acaster on this year, I think, like big names. But we also, you know, I'm still adamant to talk to a range of people and not necessarily always have a name that you've, you you recognise pop up on that podcast feed, which is tough in these days where, like, like back in the day on Wednesday, you'd maybe have me and, and Richard Herring coming out, but then you wouldn't have anything on Thursday, not much on Friday, you know. Whereas now every day you open up your podcast app, there's three or four things at least. So I know that sometimes a name that isn't familiar comes up and it's um it's easy to go with s- someone else. Off menu had Steve Coogan on recently, you know? And I had one of the most amazing conversations I've had with Philip Barantini. But but I'm aware that you see Steve Coogan and you might put that ahead of Philip B- Barantini f- for now. For now, you know I've got a habit of get of getting people on early who then go on to be your favourite writer, director, actor, shout out to Michaela Cole, shout out to Florence Pugh, shout out to numerous others I've had on early days. But yeah, it's always been about the right conversation. And we've been having some amazing ones. And we're coming towards the end of the year, we're getting into drunk cast territory. So brace yourselves for that. But I've got loads of good chats to come before then. Yeah, I'm going to stop talking now. I will see you all next week. Until then, stay safe and stay sane cita